Hi, welcome to the Funding Blueprint, Unlocking Startup Success, presented by StartHub. I'm Cody Goff, and today you're gonna learn about a very cool event that's coming up in April that could open up new opportunities for you and your startup. And we'll also answer the question, why is it important for founders to connect with other founders? Why do you need to be part of a startup ecosystem anyway? Why can't you just start a company and run it and get funded and be all good? My guest today is gonna to help me answer those questions and her name is Melissa Medina. She's the co-founder and CEO and president of Emerge Americas, partner at Medina Ventures, and has been instrumental in propelling Miami into a global tech hub through the pioneering Emerge Signature event, which will be celebrating its 10th anniversary during Miami Tech Month this April, 2024. And today we'll explore how and why she built the annual conference, which attracts over 20,000 attendees from 50 countries. We're gonna talk about the impact her event has had and what founders across the country and the world can learn from it. But first, I wanted to give Melissa the opportunity to talk about why she founded Emerge in the first place, because it's a pretty cool story. So here's our conversation. Yeah, thank you, Cody. First and foremost, just thanks for allowing me on this platform and giving me the opportunity. I'm really excited to share more of my story. And I really appreciate that incredible intro. I think I, I might need to use some info from there for, for my next intro. <laughs> that was great. Um, so to provide some context on, you know, where did Emerge Americas come from? How did this idea even formulate? Because um, it very much was an idea that turned into a startup and then a scale up. So I am absolutely aware of the founder journey and, and the roller coaster that, I, that it can be from a personal perspective. Um, but we decided, it was my father and I, that decided that we would put together an event, a conference that would bring together what we consider are the five tech ecosystem stakeholders, which are startups, investors, global enterprises, academia, and government under one roof here in Miami. We had never been in the conference or event business before, but we had been in the tech industry, specifically in data infrastructure and cloud computing. Me for over 10 years and my father for over 20 years based here in Miami. And the reason that we decided to create this conference was because we had traveled to conferences all over the world, pitching our products and services as a global tech company based here in Miami. And we would always get asked, why are you headquartered in Miami? There is no tech in Miami. We would get that asked over and over and over. And when the company sold in 2011 to Verizon, which was a great success story, uh, specifically my father's a Cuban immigrant and built the company from scratch. So we're incredibly proud of him for having been able to build and sell a company like this. There was also a lot of pain points and frustrations, which was why were people always questioning why this company was headquartered in Miami? And it was also very difficult to hire talent at the time, top tier talent to recruit them to Terramark Worldwide, which is the previous company was very difficult. So kind of coupling all of that together and having a conversation, we thought, well, there at the time, there wasn't any conference really focusing on our region, bringing together, as I mentioned, all these tech ecosystem stakeholders. And we felt that we could launch it. And the heart and soul of that effort was making sure that we had founders sort of at the center of what we were bringing together and, and of who we were connecting. Because if they win, we win. It's a positive snowball effect if we're able to help founders scale. So they have been part of our thesis and mission from this just being an idea. Awesome. So if I'm a founder, I'm thinking about going 
what what can an event like this do for me? I mean, we all hear about conferences all the time. Everyone's always was meeting up places. Um, but but you know, tangibly, what kind of connections are made? What benefits are there? Well, you know, why do you tell people you've got to get to this conference? Yeah, specifically from a founder's lens, I mean, this is much more than I would say than just a conference. We really truly also are a year-round platform. So we provide resources for founders year-round. We also have our own global accelerator that we have one cohort per year. We select 100 founders, early and late, later stage founders, and provide them with tools to help scale their company, provide them connections to investors. And then we also provide them exhibit space at the conference itself, where they're able to connect with quite literally thousands of either potential partners, of potential talent, of potential acquirers, investors. So it's all about them sort of taking advantage of all and leveraging all of the people that we're bringing together, all of these decision makers that we're bringing together from all over the world, kind of concentrated here in Miami and being able to use our platform to help scale their businesses. So it's not just about the conference itself, but it truly is a network um, that we host and that we foment year round. Why Why do people come from so far away? Are, is it is it uh, primarily that they're interested in, in some kind of US base or is that independent from that? It's a great question. Well, a couple of reasons. If you would have asked me this 10 years ago when we launched, it was very US LATAM heavy and which makes perfect sense, right? Geographically, we have been sort of labeled as the capital of Latin America for so many industries and we have great ties to Latin America. There's absolutely amazing talent also in, in Latin America and entrepreneurs that are building amazing businesses. So it started off very LATAM and US heavy naturally. What's happened in Miami specifically over the last four or five years and even more specifically post-COVID is that Miami has really become much more of a global epicenter. It's become an international city. Um, as you probably have seen, Miami is all over the media. In the last three or four years, there has been a huge influx of financial resources, tech talent, capital, large global corporations. And I think that has sort of influenced everything that's happening in Miami, which has also permeated into Emerge, where now we still are US and LATAM very regionally heavy, um, but you're seeing influences from all over the world, Europe, Asia. It's just incredible to see how our platform and our attendee base is growing at sort of the same rate that we're seeing all of this newfound attention and I guess attraction in Miami as well. And lastly, I'll say many people that are attending from outside the U.S. definitely do see this as a platform and um, a way to facilitate potentially their expansion into the U.S. as well. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, anecdotally, I know that uh, Miami has that strong Latin American connection just automatically because my uh, wife and I are here in Chicago. And anytime she goes down to Argentina where she used to live or anywhere down there, She's going through Miami. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Some very busy Not connections here to Latin America, which <laughs> absolutely. <we> love. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, what if, if I don't want to use the stereotype of the startup founder that's maybe the more like mathematical engineer kind of startup founder that's maybe not as outgoing? 
But let's mm-hmm. kind of use that analogy a bit, right? I mean, there are founders, right, that are more, they're more data-driven guys, one side of the brain, maybe not I'm social, here. outgoing. A conference with 20,000 attendees from 50 countries may be intimidating to them, and they don't know how to make connections, who to make connections with. Do I talk to the government, academia, investors, corporations, uh, founders? Mm-hmm. Um, what advice do you have for a startup founder that's attending for the first time and, and maybe doesn't, doesn't naturally thrive? How can they... M- get more out of attending something like this. Yeah, I totally get that. And I think a big part of it, and I say this even to the founders who I know are attending because they're part of our cohort, a big part of it is planning ahead, right? You have, we have a, a robust app that we launch every year as part of Emerge. You could see clearly there every single company that's exhibiting from startups to large global tech companies, You could also request meetings with folks that are attending Emerge. So I'm that type of person too. I think it it helps to prepare. And if you're going to walk in feeling overwhelmed already because there's so many thousands of people there, if you are prepared and you do your research, I actually believe that it really will help specifically the person and profile that you're you're talking about, right? They could say, you know what, I'm going to attend for a few hours and I am going to be super hyper targeted and what booths I'm going to, who I'm going to try to connect with. And the second thing I'd say is I think part of it also is to listen to a lot of the thought leaders that we're bringing together from around the world so that they're able to be inspired, you know, throughout their journey and also realize that there's a lot of people going through what they're going through as a founder. And that's a big part of the reason that we also launched Emerge. We, you know, kind of tell stories and let other founders tell their success stories and their challenges so that people can feel like, oh, they can relate to who's on stage. So part of it is planning, preparing, and then also going with an open mind to to be inspired by the speakers that we bring together. Sure. And I have a side tip for uh, planning. I love the planning thing. I've gone to conventions before and not wanted to plan because you don't want to get locked in. Right, you want to be flexible. Yeah, you want to have some flexibility. Absolutely. Sure, but I've I actually a couple of years I went to a convention and I planned ahead and booked every minute for like four days. But you know what? As long as you know, I didn't book meetings. I just like put down the sessions I wanted to attend or whatever, and I only went to like three of them. You know, like I at least had a. Then I knew what I could be doing. Right, you You might get sidetracked. Those accidental collisions are probably some of the most fruitful conversations that you will have, which yeah. is bumping into someone that you've never met before and introducing yourself or meeting someone in the investor startup lounge that you had no idea was there. And then you end up meeting them and creating a great conversation. And when you look at your agenda again, you're like, oh, I skipped that hour that I had, you know, penciled in for something else. But I, I completely agree with you. Yes. So listener, don't be afraid to pencil in a whole weekend's worth of a schedule, a whole week's worth of uh, schedules. Uh, you don't always have to go. Um, so, you know, you have done so much for the Miami uh, tech ecosystem. There are other <laughs> cities with um, growing startup uh, ecosystems. Chicago is one of them. If you were like in Chicago or in another city, what are a couple of the specific things that you you think you've done that have really contributed to um, helping nurture that ecosystem and that maybe other founders or investors or others um, generally involved in the startup world um, can maybe emulate in their cities to to grow their networks there. 
Yeah. So I think something that we did that was unique uh, early on, this was when Emerge was just an idea and we were planning it. It took us two years to plan, is that we always had the mindset that this truly had to be sort of a team effort. And we wanted to get together a core group of ecosystem leaders to be part of what we called sort of a steering committee and an advisory board, because we wanted to get everybody's, as many people's input as possible, who believed in the mission of building a thriving tech ecosystem here in Miami. And it, it was made up of both public and private enterprises, which I think also is essential in any tech ecosystem to have at least some public support, you know, making sure that your your city, your county, the community that you're in believes in a knowledge-based economy, believes in innovative thinking, you know, wants to think about how technology could help drive their community. So I think that's honestly probably the best thing that we did early on was we wanted as much support as possible, but getting input more than anything so that as we've grown over the last 10 years, those folks who were part of this advisory board and steering committee early on played a huge role in the success of not only helping build out Emerge as an ecosystem, but really helping our vision come to life in general uh, as a Miami tech ecosystem and, and community. So again, I think I'll, I'll, I'll end the way I started is that this really has to be a team effort, a core group of organizations not just one that kind of come together and believe in this in this mission. Yeah, it's almost like running a startup. You don't just make a product and, a, and you know, you need to- We said product market fit. <laughs> product market fit, right? You got to talk to customers. Yeah. When when working with local government, public officials, mm-hmm. were, was there any particular skepticism or pushback around the potential value? What, what was the biggest hurdle to clear in those conversations? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we had some in their defense and some public officials that early on said, you know, we're not sure about this, but we believe in you. We we do believe um, in your mission. We're not exactly sure how you're going to accomplish it, but OK, you know, we're we're going to support this. And then we had other public officials who I won't name that just said, you know, Miami is much more of media, entertainment. Yes, we have some financial sector too, but I really don't see this as uh, as an avenue that we want to nurture or pursue, meaning tech innovation entrepreneurship. But I will say the conversation has changed dramatically over the last decade. In their defense, 10 years ago, there just there really wasn't a lot of people talking about the importance of technology uh, here in in South Florida. And so I think a lot of it was just educating and speaking as much as we can about why this is so important. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of pushback. We had we had a lot of people say we were crazy. That's for sure. <laughs> Which is re- a compliment. <laughs> oh, uh, of course. Yeah. Because seeing how far you've come. Uh, can you recall any specific like data you brought them or, or like what was compelling that you, you were able to use to change their minds? What kind of numbers, what kind of, um, what were your tactics to kind of get people to come in your direction? Oh, yeah. I mean, data and research was huge. So we researched not only other large global conferences and the impact that those have had in other parts of the world and other parts of the U.S. So economic impact, like automatically you're going to have 
public officials, you know, open their eyes and say, oh, wait, wait a second. Now we're talking. So we did a lot of that research. We actually hired also an independent group to provide a potential economic impact study that this could have if we brought it to Miami. So that was one avenue. And then another avenue was we also ourselves publish and track venture activity throughout the state of Florida. Uh, We publish it twice a year. We do a half year report. It's called an insights report and we do a full year report. So we started doing that early on also to say, okay, we're also going to track how we're doing compared to other cities in the U.S., compared to other cities around the world. And the amazing thing, Cody, is we're seeing this amazing J-curve effect that has continued to happen. I mean, there it continues going up, up, up. And we publish that twice a year transparently. And I think that has really also helped provide a case for support of not only what we're doing, but of why Miami? You know, why Why if you're thinking of launching an organization or a company, if you're a founder, you're not captive of any city anymore. I mean, post-COVID, you can potentially launch your business from anywhere in the world. So we just say, why Miami? Here are the unique factors and here are our trends based on data. Um, two follow-up questions. Was there, how big was the conference when it started? Like, you know, you, you couldn't tell them, I'm going to have a 20,000 person conference. It'll bring us all that money. So um, w- what was your starting point that at least got their attention? So we didn't say that we were going to have 20,000 people. That's for sure. But we always thought big, which by, by, by saying that, I mean, we started Emerge at the Miami Beach Convention Center from year one. Because we wanted oh, wow. people to know that our vision for this was not small. We, w- we knew that we would hopefully be able to grow this. And I think that was the first, our first sign of saying, we want to be able to eventually take over this entire convention center. So that's why we're starting here. And we've been there every year since. And it has grown dramatically. So to answer your question, our first year, we had an internal goal of 2,500 attendees. That would have been phenomenal for us. We had 5,000 people attend our first event. So I think that was, you know, we doubled uh, what we anticipated. And truly we were, you know, we were embarking on something really, really new, especially here in Miami. And that was actually when we realized, Cody, okay, this could be much bigger even than we anticipated. We were filling a void in the market. We were going to grow our team and make this annual. We did not know if we were going to have this as an annual event when we first launched. That was our vision and our hope. But it wasn't until we actually opened our doors and were able to, you know, see how, many, how much traction we actually got when we were able to make a full concrete plan. But I would say thinking big was definitely part of the strategy from the beginning. Even though we had never hosted a conference before, you know, we just had a lot of confidence in the fact that this would resonate. And, and thankfully, thankfully it did. Not without challenges. It definitely, you know, I don't want to make it seem like it has been uh, you know, all peaches and cream. It, it has definitely been a roller coaster ride, but um, but happy nonetheless. I'm super excited about you know celebrating a huge milestone next year, which is 10 years. It's it's unbe- unbelievable for me to even say it. That's why I stumble saying the words. I can't believe it's been a decade. It's so cool, and it's so startupy, right? Like oh, completely. Think, think big. Don't you know? Think far down the line. How big can this get? not just, oh, we want to do this thing and maybe it'll grow. It's like, no, we're going to, and you did it. Um, Have you heard of the term BHAGs? Big, hairy, audacious goals. Big, hairy, audacious goals. We have those as a team from from when this was an idea and we still refresh them every year. 
Um, and that's when I say think big, that's what I, we always talk about the BHAGs that emerge. Big, hairy, audacious goals. I like mm-hmm. it. The other thing I was going to say is Miami is now its own tech ecosystem with its own unique properties. It does feel like all the best tech ecosystems have great weather all year round. <laughs> I say in Chicago, as it is very cold and raining outside. <laughs> I love um, Chicago, though. Chicago oh, that- in the summer is absolutely amazing. The winter is hard for me, you know, being born and raised in warm climate, but it's a beautiful city. Well, thank you. I I agree completely. Totally. Um, having said that, yeah. I have heard you on other podcasts say that that it, it's not Miami is not another Silicon Valley. No, right? they're they're distinct, and and everyone always immediately anything in startups they always just go straight to Silicon Valley, right? Mm-hmm. So, can you talk to me about how you perceive Miami as different? Why go to one place over the other? Similarities, yeah. differences from your point of view. Yeah, I mean, when people tell me, oh, you know. Miami's trying to become the next Silicon Valley. I, I'm always the first one to raise my hand and say, no, we're not. We want to learn from Silicon Valley. You know, obviously they've built an amazing tech ecosystem there. You know, their venture activity dollars there are, you know, incredible. And we want to learn from their, the opportunities that they have created. We also know that they have had a lot of challenges as well and want to learn from their challenges also. But my point is that I believe that every tech ecosystem has its unique differentiators. And it's up to a founder to decide, you know, what's most important to me? Is it the tax climate? Is it weather? Is it geographic positioning? Maybe some people want to be on the East Coast, right? Want to be on Eastern Standard Time because it helps them for whatever reason. So there is unique differentiators to each ecosystem. And I really believe that we can complement each other. This doesn't have to be this huge competitive landscape um, that people try to pin, you know, ecosystems against each other. There's going to be a reason why a founder wants to be in Chicago or New York or Boston or Austin or Miami or Silicon Valley or any other city in the U.S. right now, because there's Nashville is beginning to boom. You know, Bentonville, Arkansas is beginning to boom. Tulsa is beginning to boom. I mean, there is, I think I mentioned earlier, post-COVID, Founders have reprioritized where they can fundraise outside of Silicon Valley. They can decide that they want a happy, full quality of life. And that's a very personal decision for each person. I obviously am biased. I'm born and raised in Miami. And I feel that it is has a great energy. It's extremely diverse. I think that's definitely one of our strengths and uniqueness as an ecosystem. Um, you know, we're a majority minority city. We're one of the few cities that was built by a woman and we're an, quite literally an immigrant built community. And that's important for a lot of people. And so that's that is one of our uniqueness, uh, one of our unique differentiators. But I believe that each of these ecosystems has that. So I'm I'm very much, you know, the glass is half full mentality. Let's all complement each other, help each other out. And if there are founders that are exploring Miami, I will make a case for why Miami, but I also completely understand if they choose other cities around the world because there's a reason that those cities are also booming. Sure. And uh, I, I want to follow up on the diversity element because I love yeah. that you highlighted that. Uh, but but first, I will. I'll, I do want to speak to some of those differentiators. It is funny as a guy that's been working remotely since before the pandemic here in Chicago, 
for a while, I worked for an East Coast company mm -hmm. and that meant that I had to wake up early sometimes. And it turns out, Melissa, I don't like waking up right, early. There you go. You see? <laughs> so yeah. I've been working more with a uh, some companies based in the West Coast or in Mountain Time. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can basically roll Maybe in at 10 o'clock. Oh, it's amazing. So it is, yep. it's so interesting how many different factors, to your point, can play into it. And the time zone thing is real. Yeah, the um, time zone thing is very real. I think I think as companies begin scaling, I think tax incentives are also very real. I think public support, uh, which I think Miami is also very unique at. Um, you know, we have the support of our city, of our county. And I think there are a lot of other tech ecosystems that don't have as much support, at least not right now. And that's one of our unique differentiators because they're providing you know, great incentive packages for founders or for larger corporations that are thinking of moving to Miami. All of that, you know, plays into that mosaic, you know, or puzzle when you're deciding as a founder where, you know, where you're going to go. For sure. And to follow up on the uh, the, the diversity elements, I'd, I'd like to pivot a little bit and talk uh, briefly about your work as an investor with Medina Ventures. Sure. Uh, now, the company's LinkedIn page mentions a focus on underrepresented founders, yeah. uh, which we know th that there is a representation problem among founders. Mm -hmm. um, so what advice would you give uh, to maybe other investors or, or anybody else to help the startup ecosystem improve that balance of representation? You know, I think a lot of it, Cody, has to do with just awareness, right? Like being aware of the numbers and the data that still very much exists today in terms of funding gaps for minority founders. And we obviously feel it a lot here because we are majority minority here in Miami. So it's something that resonates. It's something that we are just fully aware of all the time. But my point is a lot of this boils boils down to it's not investors, at, in my opinion, again, with a glass half full mentality, it's not investors intentionally not wanting to help bridge these gaps. I believe it's just more about educating, about conversations, about, you know, telling these incredible success stories that minority founders have had, um, kind of shining a light on funds and investors that have um, invested in minority founders and how that, you know, successful that has been. So in my opinion, it's just a lot about awareness and educating um, more than anything else. Well, you just raised awareness and educated <laughs> by saying that on this podcast. Thanks. Uh, thank you. I hopefully our <laughs> listener walks away and internalizes that and uh, keeps that in mind. And uh, I guess to wrap up then, I would like to just ask you if you would like to highlight any particularly impactful companies you've worked with, maybe someone you invested in, maybe just another startup you're aware of um, that you'd like to bring our listeners' attention to, maybe what they can learn from them in terms of why they're successful. Yeah, I mean, the I guess the one that comes to mind and that I would highlight, it's a company called Storybook App. It basically combines infant massage, relaxation, meditation techniques with bedtime stories and music. They help essentially families bond and relax and sleep better. And parents usually include this like in bedtime routines. And it provides an, like a great bonding essentially between parents and children. But this one specifically stood out to us, which we did invest in. 
Um, but the way we met the founder, founders, co-founders, was through a pitch competition that Emerge, Emerge holds pitch competitions in emerging markets throughout Latin America and in the U.S. And this one in particular was in February of 2020, so a few weeks before the world shut down, we hosted a pitch competition in Ecuador. And the winner of that competition were the co-founders of Storybook App, which is a husband and wife team. Their name is Francisco and Daniela Cornejo. And a month later, you know, we all know what happened with the global pandemic. We continued to stay in touch with them because they were supposed to be in Emerge, the conference, you know, a couple of months later. Obviously, that couldn't happen because of the pandemic. But throughout all of that, we remained in touch with them. They actually decided to move to Miami during the pandemic. We were a huge support uh, factor in that. And then they were finally able to present at Emerge in 2022. So, you know, our, when we were finally able to launch Emerge the conference again post-pandemic, and they received the first ever Google Latino Fund grant of $100,000, we ended up investing in them. And it ended up just being such a completely sort of full circle um, moment and beyond proud of both of them. I know they sacrificed a lot and their, their passion sort of really came through from the first day that I met them in Ecuador. It's just amazing to see their growth, their trajectory. They're now, I believe, the number one family app in, I don't know, over 50 or 60 countries. They've grown dramatically um, and they have a B2C and B2B model where they they work with corporations who offer this to their employees also. But more than anything, what stood out the most was their passion and their vision uh, and their drive. I mean, they sacrificed a lot uh, to make this happen. So, Wow. Full circle, for sure. I will include a link to Storybook app uh, to learn more about that in the description. Yeah, of you should. Awesome. Today's episode. I'll be Any checking it out. It's out there. It, it's, it's really incredible how it could change um, just even the relationship with your child. It's really, really interesting. I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. So oh, you will want to download this, especially for that age. I mean, it's up to eight, nine, I think 10 years old, but the the majority is infant until you know six seven years old and it's it's really incredible that's great i read to my son every <laughs> night I, well, well when my wife or i read to my son every night uh unless he's not in the mood if, if it's right, one yeah. of those i have, no, I have <laughs> five children so <laughs> oh whoa all wow. different personalities and ages so <laughs> and temperaments yeah. and <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah, okay wow awesome well thanks for that amazing resource and uh, listener emerge americas will be held in miami beach florida april 18th and 19th 2024 you can register now for an advanced rate with prices going up after march 18th so register now at emergeamericas.com it's it's emerge but the m is capitalized so that's cool. sometimes i feel like i should say emerge and other times it's just emerge. emerge emerge you know there's a lot of meanings for that m but miami is definitely one of them <laughs> i was gonna ask are there, would you like to share any other meanings for it we're all M's as well. My last name is Medina. My father's Manny. I'm Melissa. There's just, there's a lot of M's that happen to, uh, you know, permeate around that meaning. 
I love that. I can totally relate. My like lucky number is four because there's like four letters in my name. My parents have four kids. My birthday is actually April 4th, which is 4-4. Oh, that's my fifth child is April 4th. Oh, no way. Hey. She's seven. A little, just like a little younger than you, Cody, but you know, you share the same birthday. <laughs> just a touch. Just a touch. It's a fantastic birthday. <laughs> well, happy birthday uh, to uh, to your child, your youngest, um, when when that comes up. But yeah, uh, in the too. meantime, everybody check out Emerge America's uh, Melissa Medina, founder, gotcha. creator, uh the person who runs it, the person in charge. Thank you so much for joining me. And uh, I hope that our listeners and I see you at Emerge this April. Yes, thank you again. This has been so much fun. Definitely hope to see you in April. We'll we'll do a little birthday celebration in Miami for you, Cody. (laughs) Perfect, I'm down. Thanks so much. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and I hope you can make it to Melissa's event and I hope it propels you and your startup's efforts to the next level. And I hope you remember the most important lesson from today's episode, I'm an Aries. The Funding Blueprint is produced by me, Cody Goff, with audio and video editing by Sean Patel. If you're looking for exceptional sound design or audio video production work, get in touch with Sean at seanpatel.com. Thank you for joining me and have a great week.